everybody another edition here of the Auburn Undercover podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network my name is Nathan King we have another roundtable edition of the show as we get ready for Auburn's week two matchup with San Jose State that's at 7 30 eastern 6 30 central time Saturday night inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium it's a familiar foe for Brian Harson. obviously him and you know a good portion of his coaching staff coming from the Mountain West him and Brent Brennan have actually faced off against each other quite a bit, not necessarily as head coaches, but they used to be rivals on the recruiting trail as uh, as assistants at Boise State and, and San Jose State. So that dates back to the, somewhere around the mid-2000s. And, uh, and Auburn's played San Jose State a couple times back in, uh, back in the mid-2010s. And so it's the last of the tune-up games, if, if you will, before they welcome in uh penn state next week we've got our roundtable crew here of jason caldwell mark murphy and philip marshall and mark i mean y- you look at this as compared to the mercer game um i think you know there are some there are some deficiencies that mercer had that obviously san jose state just as being a power you know, they're not power five but just as being you know an fbs program um is going to have some advantages on you know, on but you wouldn't exactly know it if you looked at their game last week because you know they we almost could be talking about a team that is, is coming in here zero and one with a loss to a loss to an FCS program. They're particularly on offense. They they did not have a, a very encouraging start to the season last week. Yeah, San Jose State should have a lot more talent on the entire roster because of that reason they've got lots of guys who've been in the twenty four seven rankings. Uh, Mercer did not. They just had a, a handful of those type of guys and. Uh, you know, Mercer might end up having more team speed than San Jose State is going to bring in here. But, you know, San Jose State should be better on defense. They've got four or five Mountain West Conference, all-conference all type players. And, uh, uh, you know, I, they're certain, Auburn's certainly not as big a favorite as it was last week. But I could see this game, you know, getting away from San Jose State and Auburn winning by four or five touchdowns. So, I'm curious to see if Auburn makes that jump from week one to week two, uh, like a lot of teams do. And uh, San Jose State, boy, that was way too close for comfort. They didn't pull that game out. There was about a minute left. Yeah, they give up. Uh, they give up seven sacks against Portland State. Um, you include if you include the quarterback sacks. Obviously, it's not sack adjusted. Um, but Jason, one point seven yards per carry um, again against Portland State. Not going to cut it there, um, and you know you're talking about Auburn might be the strength of the team. Is this is this defensive line? Um, it's an experienced quarterback for San Jose State. It's a guy. It's a guy actually that Brian Harson and his staff, Jeff Schmetting, saw a couple years ago. Correct um, at Hawaii. He's one of the more experienced guys that they're going to face this season. Um, just tell me a little bit about what they've got going on on offense and and what they might try to do against this Auburn defense. Yeah, I think they're going to drop back and try to throw it a bunch. Um, Chevin Cordero is a quarterback. He's Started a couple of years at Hawaii. Um, played against uh, Brian Harson Boise State team a couple of times. One as a reserve and once as a starter. Um, you know he's thrown forty five career touchdowns. You know twenty two interceptions, over six thousand yards. Really, when I watch them play, they remind me of watching Ole Miss last season. But they don't run it for two hundred yards. They don't have those kind of guys. They're going to almost exclusively throw the football, and or he's going to scramble. And, and he had a thirty. You know, thirty-yard touchdown run last week. He's pretty ath- athletic quarterback back there, but you, you can't. You mentioned the number. You can't get away from it. They gave up seven sacks to Portland State last week. You look at this offensive line, and I talked about Mercer's offensive line last week. Those guys were kind of undersized, but you know they did a good job of getting the ball out of his hands pretty quick. And Auburn did not have a, a, a ton of time to get back there, and they didn't make a ton of plays on, up front. Um, you look at this one, and, and this is a team that wants to kind of throw it down the field. They got a. They got a group of receivers that are pretty good. When you look at the, you know, you know his his targets to uh to to go after Elijah Cooks is a is a guy that had six for one twenty three last week and has over a thousand yards. Dustin Lockhart, Shamar Garrett. I mean they they've got some some really good player. Elijah Cooks is, I mean he's he's legit now. This guy's you know six four two fifteen, a grad student. And, you know, this roster is full of grad guys, and so. Um, I just keep coming back to that offensive line. They're they're two seventy five at the tackles, two sixty five at one guard, 
and those those two those three players, the the tackles and, and guard, they played three football games combined, and it was last week. I, I don't like that matchup for them against this Auburn defensive front. So, um, yeah, I just think that this is one that Auburn's defense should should make some plays on. I think San Jose State defense is better, um, but I just I just don't see this game. Um, it shouldn't be one after after what you know that team did last week. It shouldn't be one that that. Uh, Auburn fans are sweating about too long on Saturday night. Yeah, Philip will maybe have another rain delay that might affect uh, the game plan for for both of these teams. At least it it, it might look that it looks that way as we record this on uh, what's this Wednesday Wednesday evening. Um, but talking about this Auburn defense, something Brian Harson mentioned this week. Um, you know, obviously wanting he he thought they had opportunities, particularly in the secondary, to maybe come away with some turnovers. They did not do so. Um, and then just the one sack on defense for them um, also was something that that you know Brian Harson said you know you'd like to see improved heading into this next game. It certainly seems like they'll have those opportunities. Um, you know it was a it was a strong overall showing for them um, in game one, but it still seems like they've you know they've got some areas that they could they could certainly work out if you you know if you're considering the fact that again they gave up seven sacks to an FCS team and San Jose State did last week. It seems like. Guys like Derek Hall, like Uliota, they might have an opportunity to tee off in this game. You would think, uh, I would guess that San Jose State, even though they like to throw it down the field, will probably try to get it out of the quarterback's hand quick, too. Uh, uh, I thought Auburn had some opportunities to get sacks against Mercer. It just didn't didn't get him on the ground for whatever reason. But... uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mercer has a bunch of passing yards when it's all said and done. I, I, uh, if I was going to identify one concern about Auburn's defense last week, I think it would be more uh, not real tight pass coverage. And maybe that was the plan. I don't know. But uh, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if, our, if San Jose had some passing yards. I wouldn't be surprised if they scored some points. And, uh, you know they don't have SEC players, so it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a close game. But uh, uh, again, you never know. I mean, when Auburn played a fourth quarter game against Mercer, a, a really good Auburn team in 2017, it was because they had either five or six turnovers. And uh, if they had had five or six turnovers last Saturday, that probably would have been a close game. So. Uh, as long as you don't turn the ball over or uh, make silly mistakes, they should be fine. They, you know, Mer- uh, Mercer, San Jose State's going to be excited and all those things, and they're going to, I'm sure, say, "Hey, we beat we beat this coaching staff two years ago. We can do it again." And uh, teams have a way of convincing themselves they can win, but uh, I think they would have to have an awful lot of help from Auburn for it to be for it to be, be any drama in this game. Yeah, speaking of which, Jason, some some big help Mercer was able to get, particularly there in the first half. Um, Auburn's two turnovers in that first game were from TJ Finley. The quarterback position will be um, highly monitored. Once again, we were talking about it um, before we started. This is this is kind of the last uh, the, the last test run, if you will, um, before they get into Penn State. We'll, we'll see how much things even change then. But but for this. For this weekend in particular, we talked about it earlier in the week. Brian Harson said it today on the SEC coaches teleconference. Um, 50-50 still, you know, sort of seems like the goal. Now he said it might, you know, might not actually be exactly 50-50. Um, but you know, all indications are that number one, TJ Finley's gonna start. It's it's be a huge shock if if Robbie Ashford came out and and started this game. But you know, I am interested to see what you know what more they want to do with both of these guys in terms of in terms of opening up and and you know, allowing them to kind of stretch their legs a little bit, particularly with a guy like Ashford. Um, I think Auburn would maybe like to get a little bit more data with him, maybe throw you know, 10 plus passes in this game as opposed to, to only seven there in the first game. You know, what, what wouldn't be a shock, it wouldn't be a shock to see both those guys on the field for the first play. I mean, Brian Hart yeah. kind of laughed at it, said I should have done that yet last week. I won't be shocked if they do it this week and have Robbie Ashford in the slot or TJ Finley at wide receiver or something just, just to kind of show a little different wrinkle. But I mean, hey, Brian Harson, you know, to this point has not backed off the fact that hey, he's not afraid to play two quarterbacks. And, you know, we we talked about 
really for the last three weeks that, hey, we expected to see, you know, multiple quarterbacks in game one. Not a surprise that it happened. And now not a surprise it's going to happen in week two. Uh, you know, this thing, hey, it could it could take one more week and they might have their guy. They could play 12 games and play two quarterbacks. Who knows how this thing's going to turn out. Um, it's not normal. Um but it's it's happened before. It's it's not something that you see a bunch of. But those guys have different skill sets a little bit. Um, the one thing that you look at this week is adjustments. How how does Auburn and how do Robbie Ashford adjust now that people have seen him? Because if Mercer saw him, it was watching Hoover High School film, and I don't know that they went that far back. You know, they probably watched a little bit of him maybe in an A day game, but you you don't have an idea until he gets on the field. And now people have an idea. They have an idea what he brings to the table athletically. And and so now it'll be adjusting for him running more of the offense. And as as good as it looked at times last Saturday, he threw seven passes. Um, that's the thing for me. Yeah, the weather may have an impact, but hey, Auburn can run the football. I, 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 we've talked about it for years. I think this team needs to do it. I think Saturday they need to come out with those guys and throw the football, try to find some, some playmakers at wide receiver and improve that side of the game. I know they want to run it, and I think they'll be able to. But, I, you know, I think that's something that these guys, whoever they are, whoever the quarterback is, they got to continue to fine-tune the passing game. And this is another opportunity to do it before you get into you know, the, the real big boy football start next week against Penn State. Yeah, Mark, Jason mentioned uh, trying to obviously find more playmakers there at wide receiver. Maybe this is a group that will expand a little bit here in this second game, we talked about it before we started. I mean, Shed Jackson was on the field for the very last snap of the game um, for Auburn on offense in that in that season opener against Mercer. Certainly not something that you know if you you want to make sure that you get you know experience for your other depth pieces. Um, kind of some news on that on that note is that JJ Evans entered the transfer portal um, today, being Wednesday. It's the second second outgoing transfer for Auburn. Since the start of the preseason, you had Ben Patton, the walk-on kicker who uh, who ended up at Michigan State as a grad transfer. J.J. Evans was a guy who was very highly, very highly thought of as a recruit, as four-star recruit um, from Montevallo back in the back in the 2020 class, but just never never really panned out. At Auburn, didn't take a snap um, in two seasons. And Mark, he was a guy that we saw in our last few viewing sessions of practice. Um, he was a guy that had been designated to the scout team there, so. Maybe not a massive surprise, um, but you know those other guys in the room are still are still you know guys that Auburn needs to continue to try to develop here in these in these smaller games before they get into the SEC schedule. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, three wide receivers caught passes. That was it in game one. Twenty-one passes thrown, thirteen receptions, four catches for Shedra Jackson, four for Javarius Johnson, and I mean that's not very many. So you need like Omari Kelly. Step in there, Camden Brown, Jay Fair, some of the newcomers, uh, Coy Moore to catch a pass. Uh, Worsham played just briefly the transfer from Miami. Uh, so they brought all these receivers in to make a difference. And uh, I'm curious to see if they throw the ball to them. I think Jason's got a pretty good point. Uh, this is a, a week where they need to get that stuff ironed out and need to see how well – both quarterbacks were throwing the ball. You know, Auburn only threw four interceptions last year. They got two interceptions and 21 throws on opening night. That's not a very good uh, ratio right there. So they got to get that straightened out. But, uh, I mean, just watching these guys in practice, there's a lot of young receivers, I think, who could make plays. Just gotta, It's just a matter of putting them on the field and throwing the ball their direction. So we'll see if this coaching staff is willing to do this Saturday night, guys. Philip, we got a chance today um, to talk to Nick Brahms for the first time since first time since his injury. Um, obviously, he's you know not only out for the season, but decided to uh, to retire from football. And but he's you know something we've known for the past few weeks is that he's he's not stepping away from the program, not in the slightest. Um, you know, he made some jokes about said a Mercer player came up to him after the game and said, good game coach, because he was, <laughs> and to be fair, he was, he was dressed, I mean, he was dressed like a GA and he basically had the responsibilities of a, of a GA on, on, on game day. But, you know, for, for a guy like Tate Johnson, who certainly will be watched again 
um, in this game had a, had a pretty strong opener um, against Mercer. And then even those other guys on the offensive line that are, they're still trying to come along cam Stutz, who, who had his first career start um, last week, Brahms this season, ap- there's no doubt he will be a valuable tool for, for Will friend to have in that room as, as basically, I mean, he's another GA analyst kind of guy who's got, I mean, he's got a ton of experience under his belt. And then obviously he knows these guys, he knows his teammates very well. Right. Let me, if you don't mind, let me talk about the quarterbacks for a minute first before I address Nick. Uh, By all means. I think that, uh, and I think maybe some of you guys probably, probably don't agree with this. You know, when you look at that game Saturday, uh, Ashford played some snaps early and, you know, and just coming in, running a play and coming out or whatever. Other than that, he played three, he played three drives after the game was decided. Uh, it was not a quarterback alternation, alternating thing. I mean, it was clear that, that TJ was the quarterback and, uh, and really that's what I expect to see. Not, not, I'm not talking about Saturday necessarily. Because they want to get Ashford all the reps they can. There's no question about that. But uh, I think what you're going to see going forward is something like what you saw in the first half. Where there's a package for him. I don't think the problem over the years when I've talked to coaches, the problem about alternating two quarterbacks is so many games the SEC are so close. And how do you decide who's going in when? And do you give up an opportunity to score a touchdown because you put the wrong guy in? And uh, uh, so that's my that's what I I expect to see. Now, again, I'm not talking about Saturday, but uh, I personally think think that uh, a little bit too much has been made out of two interceptions. I mean, Spencer Rattler threw two interceptions against Georgia State. Uh, yeah, I saw Pat Sullivan throw five interceptions at his second start at Auburn. So, uh, uh, but anyway, that's what I think. That look, it, TJ is not so so uh, established that that you know it's not like he's a guy that's been starting for two years. And you said, well, he can't get beat out. Certainly, he could get beat out. But I think I don't think that's where it's headed right now. Myself, now if he was to go out and throw two two or three more interceptions tomorrow, I mean Saturday, then who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it was. As soon as he broke loose on the long run early, I said, "Well, here we go <laughs> with 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 the with the quarterbacks." And uh, but uh, I, I just questioned whether he's re- would be ready to say, "Okay, you're the guy." Maybe so, but uh, as far as Nick Brahms, he's one of the uh, I, I've. I've Admired greatly how he's handled himself at Auburn. And uh, he's a good player. He's a valuable teammate. And it's not a surprise at all to me that he is uh, – that he's staying with the team and doing what he can to help because that's that's the kind of guy he is. And he's the kind of guy you want to have on, on your football team. You know, Tate Johnson, I'm, I'm no evaluator. I can't, I, can't, I can't watch a game and tell you whether an offensive center played great or – not but his teammates and people who do know say he had a uh, a game that was really i think better than most people expected so uh but that was against an undersized defensive line so we'll we'll see how it is going forward but i think that uh you know albert has got to to You've always got to win the line of scrimmage if you're gonna win games. I don't care who you play it. If you get if you can't win the line of scrimmage, you're probably gonna lose. And uh, I'm sure they'll win the line of scrimmage Saturday. But then after that, that's when we get to start to really find out because uh, uh, there's not many. Well, there's really hardly any more games like these two left. So we will see. But I, I think uh, Tate Johnson is a guy that's. That's waited his turn and uh, and and is is committed to making the most of it. Nick Brahms, uh, I've always thought was the kind of player you'd like to have on your team. He's a good player. He's extremely extremely smart, which is very important for a center. And uh, uh, and I always played his played his rear end off. So 
he's going to still be missed on the field. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, it does seem like, at least from the small sample size we got, that Tate Johnson uh, might be might be a uh, uh, maybe a little better even than people expected. Yeah, Philip, the uh, your beloved pro football focus rankings that I know you I know you put your hand on every every night before you go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> they had him they had him as the second highest graded offensive lineman in that game for Auburn behind uh behind Austin Troxel. So um just some just some data to, to back you up there from your, from well, your your favorite folks. Like I said, when they can tell me they know what the play was and what the game plan was and what what guys were supposed to do, then then maybe I'll pay attention to their grades. But until then, that doesn't mean much to me. That's a, that's a successful baiting job by uh, by me. I appreciate you leaning into it. Um, so, Jason, I guess just uh, you know, there's this. We're, this is kind of the same. We did this last year, I remember too, with Akron and Alabama State. We got some data in the first game. There wasn't much more to say. I, I mean, yeah, you, you really needed to just figure this these things out in these first couple games, and then look, it's going to be the same thing. When Penn State came last year, we found out a lot more. Right. That's, when we, that's when we started saying. Man, these receivers have have got to clean it up. Man, this offensive line is not perfect. Hey, there's some defensive issues too in terms of completion percentage for the quarterback. So there's just I don't know. I say that all to say there there is not a ton left I think to say about this game. I think Auburn itself, just as much as we are, is antsy to to get finished with these two games and and move on. Like you said, kind of the real games in, in Penn State. That's when they'll learn a lot more about themselves. Yeah, I think that you're you know somebody asked me to grade the first game and I said incomplete. And it'll be the same thing if somebody asked me after week two. It's going to be incomplete. Yeah. Um, now, the thing you can tell, and, and you know, I think Philip mentioned it, Mark mentioned it, we talked about it. Can can this defense look like a swarming, attacking defense? Because I didn't see that Saturday night. Now, even, even if you're by design saying we're going to play a little softer, your front four is not doing that. Your front four is not sitting there not rushing the passer. And I need to see more from those guys. I mean, that's that's one of the groups that you say, hey, this is – if you're talking about building around a group on this team, to me, that's almost where you could start would be the front four of this defense. And I thought Eculiota delivered and did some things. But can can those guys turn it loose? And, and the other thing is, you know, we talked about kind of wide receiver. Um, you look at the – the you know, they, they rotated some inside. Um, there was not nearly enough rotation at the edge position. Echo Leota played all but ten snaps of that game at the at, at you know one of those edge spots. Derek Hall played a good bit of them as well. Um, Dylan Brooks, Marcus Bragg, those guys need to play and they need to get a lot of reps because they're going to have to have one or both of those guys in some really meaningful situations this season for this team to to get where it wants to go. And so um, that's the thing for me: can they get after these guys? Can they create some just create havoc on defense? Because that's what you got to do. And if you can't do that against Mercer and San Jose State, you can dial up everything you want to. But if you have to blitz to get pressure, then sooner or later you're, you're going to be dead in the water. And so you got to be able to get it with those front four and those guys. And so that's what I'm watching this week against an offensive line that was absolutely dreadful last week. Um, and so those, those are things that you look at from this team. Still, still, we won't know, though. You're right. Um, we'll get a little bit – maybe a better idea, but – if if you're looking up here and we're still saying the same things going into next week, then you're then you've got to start going. Okay, where's that come from, and is it going to get there? And and that's the things that you you wonder about. So this one is just about can you can you show a little bit more of those things? You know, offensively, it's it's kind of that broken record thing. You can run a football, tank's pretty good. Um, can you find some big plays in the passing game and consistency? Yeah, one thing I want to throw in there too is, uh, and Philip, what Philip said reminded me of it. And what you said also reminds me of it, Jason, is that these guys don't play a lot of live tackle football in preseason. And, you know, there were certainly some opportunities to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, and the guys just didn't make them. They let that quarterback escape, and he was pretty good. Uh, but still, they should have had more than three tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, I'm just wondering, if not actually going out and scrimmaging a whole lot or even just going 11 on 11 in practice with live tackling, if that impacted the way the defense played on opening night. 
So if that's the case, they should be better with one game under their belt on in game two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I will say this. They got to play more defensive linemen. That was probably the biggest surprise to me in the game, that they didn't rotate more on the defensive line. And the wide receiver. I do wonder on the wide receivers, you know, Ike Hilliard's an NFL guy. That's where he's spent his whole coaching career. And they don't do that in the NFL. They play the same guys the whole game. I wonder if there's not a learning curve for him in this situation, too. And uh, and if there is, I'm sure he'll figure it out. But uh, I was surprised they didn't play more defensive linemen. I was surprised they didn't spread the ball around to more wide receivers and play, play more wide receivers. I mean, we heard about uh, the freshmen all – all camp and about what a great what what what, what a huge impact he was going to make and they never threw in the ball. Well, he only, he only played six snaps. Yeah, yeah, he was in and, on the field. And six Landon snaps. King played no snaps. None. Jay Fair for two, and Amari Kelly for two. So uh, I mean, Coy Moore wasn't on the field a ton. Javarius Johnson only played fifteen snaps. Had four catches and in, in over a hundred yards. And he only played fifteen snaps on offense. Now I will but, say this: with the after the you know, they only had the ball for one full possession in the fourth quarter. I mean, the uh, the uh, uh, the penalty on the bad snap on the punt really kind of took away opportunities they might have had to have to have played some more guys and had the ball more. Uh, would they have played more guys? I don't know the answer to that, but uh, uh, but particularly on the defensive line. I think you just got to be able to rotate. You just have to. And uh, for one thing, those like those edge guys you're talking about, they're one play from having to play a lot. And not only one, and, play, uh, one, uh, play, one play from you, having to change their defensive style of play, because if, if one of those guys goes down, then you're more than likely not going to be playing two edge guys at the same time after that. And so yeah, and, and you, 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 you are – and Brian has talked a good bit about finishing. Well, when you play the same guys the whole game, it makes it harder to finish, particularly those big guys. They get tired. So we'll see. Yeah, on the subject of uh, building depth, I thought this was an interesting tidbit I'd pass along to you guys um, from the the pregame show that's going to go up Saturday morning with Jackson Moore, who covers – San Jose State for 24-7. He also covers a bunch of teams over on the West Coast. San Jose State had one padded practice in the preseason. They went in full pads one singular time because they had a bunch of new guys, and apparently Brent Brennan was worried about getting guys injured. Um, and, And from what Jackson sort of explained, they went into the season looking at this these first two games thinking, we're going to be one and one regardless. Let's just get in there, win that first game, go to Auburn, have a, you know that experience, and then get into the rest of the Mountain West. And he said that that really their preseason and the, the way they sort of declined in the preseason, it really showed in that first game. I, mean, I asked him if he was surprised about that, and he said, I mean, kind of, but you could kind of tell that this was a team that was not very physically ready in that first game, and and the, the their preseason plan was a was a big reason why. So. I don't know if that affects any of your opinions on, on you know, what, Port- Portland State historically throws the ball around pretty well. And uh but still you got to score with a minute and fourteen seconds left uh to beat an FCS team. Uh that's not what you're looking for. But like I said, you know, the teams like San Jose State coming to Auburn and they have nothing to lose. They just go out there and let it all hang out and have fun. If they get beat 56 to nothing, that's what everybody expected anyway. So it's no big deal. Last time they came here, as we were talking about earlier, 
Al Borges was their offensive coordinator, and Auburn almost lost. <laughs> it was a, it was a, that's, they, they kept Auburn scoring, then that's, they'd answer back, and Auburn was scoring, they'd answer back, and finally Auburn scored, I think with four something left. I looked it up last night, and, uh, and then stopped them in one uh, thirty-five to twenty-one. But it was a definitely a fourth-quarter game. Of course, the year yeah. before that, it was what fifty-nine to thirteen, I think. So, yeah, I was just about to say it was uh, it was fifty-nine to thirteen. San Jose State has a uh, has a special spot for me as well. That that twenty fourteen game was the first Auburn game I ever went to. Uh, it was my junior year, of, junior high school. Watched Nick Marshall run for run for a whole lot of yards. Um, and just kind of kind of eat, eat that team up. And so, um, Mark, we'll, we'll now get to our, our predictions. Of course, we'll just run through. Um, again, you don't have to give your score prediction if you do not want to, but it'll be up on the site uh, Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon in our, in our fearless forecaster. So, um, you know, what do you, what do you see Auburn doing in this game before they, like we talked about, this is the last one before they get to some big boy football. Um, how do you think they'll, they'll sort of close out these first two games? Yeah, I think the Auburn's going to score in the 40s and, um, you know, I'm figuring San Jose State is probably going to get about 14 to 17 points in that range. So um, I think Auburn will have a pretty good lead by halftime. And I'm curious to see what we got. We talked about, are they going to start playing some of the backups? And, uh, you know, maybe that's going to allow San Jose State to score a touchdown late and make it look a little bit closer than it really was. But uh, that's what I'm going with, but I can see it get get worse than that. But Auburn is not a absolutely huge favorite. I think about three touchdown favorite is all. You know, I think Auburn will score in the high thirties or forties again, much like last week. I think that uh, I think San Jose State is better than Mercer, but you know, it's not it's not as simple as that. And uh, I would say Auburn win like. 45 to uh, – I haven't made my score prediction for the, in the fearless forecasters yet, but I would say like 45 to 17 or 20 because I think San Jose State is going to be able to score some, just th- throwing the ball around so much. Speaking of the forecasters, Philip, we've got some we've got some ground to make up to catch, uh, to catch Jason and Mr. Philip Dukes. They got off to – both of them got 20 pieces there in that in that first week, so – We've got a got a little bit of ground to make up, Jason. Um, you're last up here. Kind of, what are you going to be looking for? What are some some key areas? You'll be you'll be down in the field. You'll have a great view of things. Who are some Who are some guys you'll be keeping an eye on? Some position groups you'll be watching on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. You know, first, you know, my thoughts on the game itself. I was like, uh, you know, Philip mentioned earlier, line of scrimmage game. He's San Jose State. San Jose State. I think it's maybe the first offensive line Auburn faces not only this year but the last few years. Um, I, I just don't know how they're going to protect the quarterback enough to, to make many plays. I'm, I'm going to say like 38 to seven. I just I just don't think this team's going to score a, lot, a whole lot of points against this Auburn defense. But um, that's it. Can can Auburn do what they should do? You know, this is a game you should dominate and and not necessarily dominate. You don't have to win it 80 to nothing. But I think I think impose your will. Can Auburn impose its will against a team that you know if you're if you want to be a good football team. This is the kind of team that you impose your will against, and and can Auburn do that? That's what I'll be looking for on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Jason. I'm going to go with 45 to seven. I think you'll see a few kinks worked out there by the by the defense. Again, not that they had a bad game at all; they they were pretty darn good there in the first game. But I think maybe you see them capitalize on some of those turnovers, see them get home a little bit um, against, like you said, an offensive line that is. That is very bad in Auburn's offense. I think will be be plenty crisp, just like it was last week. I think both Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley um, should have pretty decent games. So, um, just like we did last week, y'all, and, and just like we sh- are planning to do throughout the rest of the season, we'll kind of just take a look at the rest of the slate for Saturday and some things that we'll be keeping our eyes on. Obviously, it's nice for us and it's nice for Auburn fans um, to be able to watch the big headliner at the beginning of the day between uh, between Alabama and Texas before you've got to worry about your tailgating plans and all that um i say headliner and and i mean i made it the i made it the game of the week in our picks but it's not the game of the week in the sec yeah it's i mean yeah it's it you know it's it's had so many eyeballs for so long um you know so fox has been talking about this game for for forever and then steve sarkeesian at the beginning of the week goes yeah you know we'll see this doesn't matter for the conference standing so you know if you're if you're fox you probably you 
you probably love to hear that one but uh you know philip i'm not necessarily sure this is you never know but these these are two programs that have been in you know incredibly different directions since they last met in uh in yeah. you know, you know it, it, it always kind of amazes me that uh i mean for instance the florida state lsu game was very entertaining saturday but it was a game between two teams that had losing records last year uh uh, you know, I, I thought Florida and Utah was a good game, but it was like neither one of them wanted to win. So, uh, and I don't mean that, I don't mean that literally, obviously, but it's like neither one of them could make, they both had a hard time uh, making the critical plays. And uh, Alabama and Texas, I don't see that being much of a game. I mean, Texas, uh you know, Texas has great tradition, but most of that tradition is a pretty long time ago now. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Saban's assistants don't have much good fortune against him most of the time. Texas is playing at home, and I'm sure it's going to be a wild atmosphere and all that. But uh, I'll be surprised if Alabama doesn't win it handily. It is, it is pretty insane, like you said. These are both programs that – have a lot of great history. Obviously, Alabama's in the midst of its best run, but um, to look at the trajectories that they've been on since that since that 2009 national said 2011 2009 national championship game, um, their Texas's records since then: eight and five, nine and four, eight and five, six and seven, five and seven, five and seven, seven and six, ten and four, eight and five, seven and three, five and seven, and then obviously they've got an opportunity. Um, to bounce back this year, but Jason, Jason's shaking it. It's, it's unbelievable to think. I mean, and you know, it, it's really though. Other than the Mac Brown run, um, you know, with you know the run they had where they won ten games and, and and were really good. Other than that, Texas football since the seventies hasn't been there. I mean, I think back to those teams that Auburn played in the eighties. They they were just. They were okay with the okay teams. They weren't great, and and so they've been kind of stuck in this rut. Other than one run with with Mac Brown, they've been stuck in this rut for forty years, and it's remarkable to see that you know. Other yeah, than, it's just it's inexplicable, really. It is. Uh, considering all the advantages they have, and, yeah, and, uh, and gonna, it's not going to be any better Saturday. I'm right there. I think this is going to be a mismatch. They could. They say it's 11 a.m. It's going to be really hot. It's going to be really hot for Texas. Alabama will be just fine. I don't yeah. Care how hot yeah. it is. He's not going to. He, you know, it gets hot in Alabama too. I don't see that be. I don't see that being an issue. It's Plus, cool. I'm guessing Alabama's got more players than they do. So correct. That's why I said it won't bother them at all. They'll be fine. As uh, as Colby Wooden said in the preseason for Auburn, that Alabama heat's different. It's uh, it's not necessarily going to affect those guys yeah i mean i look at florida like march mark mark mentioned excuse me um as another great game in the sec all of a sudden that is a ranked game because of how much i mean florida jumped up there um in the polls i mean they have a massive opportunity here i mean they're favored in this game i i think they should probably beat kentucky kentucky's a very experienced team mark you know they've got the they got the quarterback and will levis but florida's riding this thing out they're feeling good right now and Boy, I mean, what a great opportunity for for Billy Napier if they're able to start two and zero. They would absolutely be in the top ten heading into the next week. Yeah, the, there's a couple games involving SEC East teams that will probably tell us a lot whether or not there's anybody that has a snowball's chance of uh, challenging Georgia in that division. The other one is Tennessee going to a ranked pit team, and Tennessee is actually the slight favorite um, against 17th ranked Pitt, which just won a really I uh, have really nice victory beating West Virginia in the backyard brawl. So, uh, and then South Carolina team, some people think is on the rise is going over to Arkansas um, to play a, a cross divisional game. And uh, I think Arkansas won that one pretty easily, but those are interesting games to me. I think Texas is going to get wiped out by Alabama. I just don't think Texas is good enough defensively to keep it close. Yeah. But- I watched most of the back- backyard brawl or in and out on it anyway. And uh, I think my favorite announcement, announcer statement of the week was one of the players on one team, I don't remember who it was, 
dropped the pass or made some kind of mistake. And he said, well, you got, but he's a, like a transfer. And he said, you got to remember this is his first backyard brawl. <laughs> and I thought, I said, well, everybody on the field was about 10 years old the last time right. they were backyard brawl. So I expect it's all of their first backyard brawl. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I just got to be convinced. I, I, I get a little bit confused about how teams become beloved. You know, you, you would think the way people talk, Tennessee was 10 and 2 last year instead of 7 and 6. But people get enamored with all those points. And, uh, and Florida, Florida's got talent, and they, they, they're, they're quarterback. Uh, he looked the part in that game against Utah. He certainly did. And uh, uh, if he continues to play like that, and uh, they'll be hard to beat. Now, I don't know. You know, their 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 running game didn't impress me. Uh, their defense was okay. I mean, uh, they gave gave up a big drive right there at the end, and they were very fortunate when the tight end fell down in the end zone. Uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, it was a great win for them and, uh, great win for Billy Napier. And now he, <laughs> you gotta be careful <laughs> building up those expectations too quick though. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it's interesting that the Florida Kentucky game is such, is, is viewed as such a big game. I mean, who would have ever thought that a few years ago? Yeah. For years and years and years. You know, Florida could just show up and beat. Yeah, thirty like something straight times, wasn't it? Like thirty-one straight. Yeah, and, Kentucky. and a bunch of them were about fifty and sixty-point wins. Yeah, and uh, uh, so and that's a, as we talked last week. That's a tough place to play now. It is. They got some momentum, and they're excited um, now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I we'll see about Kentucky. You know, they got some pieces in place. We'll see. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, and and I understand Tennessee um, after watching him a little bit. I think Hendon Hooker is a guy that absolutely can be in the Heisman Trophy race. I think they're going to be that good offensively. I think they're going to boat race Pitt on the road. Um, I don't think West Virginia is any good, and Pitt struggled to beat them. I don't think they can score enough points to stay on the field. With yeah, I, did, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't impressed with one of those teams. Yeah, I, and I still think. I, you know, I, I still think. Florida, Florida. I think Florida. Even if they win, I still think they're going to be an eight and four kind of team. Yeah. By the time the season's over with, I think Tennessee. Tennessee may be nine and three, but I think they have the best chance to to challenge an Alabama or a Georgia just simply because they might go out there and if you turn it over a couple of times, they may score forty. Now you might score forty eight and beat them, but I think they they have the potential just offensively because of of what they do. Um, Interested to see them in that game. I think that's one, and um, you know, it's a it's a fun weekend. But I, I that's that's a couple that I'm I'm definitely paying attention to just to see kind of what they look like in this league. And and you know, Wake Forest Vandy, you know, Wake <laughs> Forest quarterback coming back. Yeah. Who would have ever? Who would never would have paid attention to that one any time at all? And it's still going to be about eighth on my list. But I will peek at it every once in a while Saturday. Yeah, that. You know, that'll be a little bit interesting to watch for sure. And then also Missouri, I listened to them on radio coming back into town last week, and they played pretty well uh, in their first game and uh, uh, against Louisiana Tech, which is not a terrible team. And uh, they go out to Kansas State. So uh, that should be a good competitive game, see what happens there. You know, the Missouri's changed their roster immensely from last year it's and uh, i was listening to all the names and like none of them are familiar hardly at all right. and uh and i was listening to eli drinkwitz being interviewed on the missouri network at halftime and uh he was right they they had all kinds of chances to score in the first half they didn't do it then the second half they came out and took care of business so i, I think they're pretty good on offense this year because especially with him calling plays and then another game the Pirate goes back out west to the Pac-12 uh, to play at uh, Arizona. I think Mississippi State will win, but you don't see SEC teams going out real often to play uh, Saturday night games at the Pac-12 early in the season. Arkansas-South Carolina could be an interesting game, too, if, 
if Spencer Rattler gets it straightened out. Yeah, you know, Arkansas has been tested. You know, of course, you know, again, you don't know how good Cincinnati is right. early, early in the season. I think they're pretty solid. They're, you know, they're well coached. Um, South Carolina, they're going to scrap and claw. You're, you're right, though. Can can they kind of you know, be more efficient on offense? That's going to be the thing because that was the thing that bugged him last year at Oklahoma, the reason why he lost his job. And it showed up a little bit again on Saturday night in his first game. And so, um, yeah. Really, really interesting week, too, with, with some of these games. And, you know, these next couple of weeks, it ramps up pretty dramatically. But this is, a, this is you know, I think at least a really good week, I think, to, to get a test for some of these teams. And then you got App State going out to Texas A&M, and their offense um, made North Carolina's defense look like a junior <laughs> high guys out there. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Mercy. If they do that to this Texas A&M defense, it's going to make me sit up and take notice. Uh, this A&M defense is – is physical and they played a bunch of young guys. They got a bunch of those those young defensive line that they signed. I think they played uh, nine true freshmen and nineteen freshmen Saturday. And um, you know, you know, Haynes King came on some. You know, Nye Smith out there is a, is a big time threat. Um, if they can get, you know, the, their, you know, he ended up throwing for three hundred yards, but didn't did look like he really played real well. If they can get a little bit more offense going with their defense. They're going to be right there. I mean, people voted them really high, higher than I would have in the preseason. Um, but they do have some pieces in place. It's interesting. All the it's the quarterbacks are, you know, so, so many transfer quarterbacks. And of course, as I wrote about the, uh, yesterday, the uh, most of the ones that transferred into the SEC aren't starting. Uh, I mean, you knew Spencer Rattler would, but I mean, it's. Uh, uh, but not at Auburn, not at Texas A&M. And, uh, uh, of course, Bo transferred out of, out of, out of the SEC. And he was part of the, he never experienced a game like that when at Auburn get beat like that. Uh, that was gruesome. The Georgia, the Georgia Oregon game. That was, and they're going to do it to a whole lot more teams this year too. Except for Sanford Saturday. Sanford's going to hang right there with them. Until they kick off, and then they'll be good. <laughs> In warm ups, they'll be great. That's Philip Locke of the week. Is, uh, is, is this going to be nothing? Yeah, it's going to be a tie game. <laughs> yeah. You know, another interesting game for fans who want to stay up late Saturday night 10th ranked Baylor is going out to BYU, which is ranked, and Baylor is the favorite. Of course, that game is at altitude in Provo. And BYU usually plays pretty well at home. So I don't know if I'll be done writing stories for our readers Saturday night, but I'm hoping to see at least the last quarter of that game. Have y'all seen what they're called, what some people are calling that game between Baylor and BYU? No, I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, they're, they're calling it the lock in. Nice little. Nice little <laughs> religious institution joke. I thought yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I laughed. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Call Jason, it what? what? I didn't understand you. The lock-in. Oh. Like a, <laughs> what, uh, Jason? Where does the Cyhawk game sit for you this week? I know you're going to be. You, I know you want to tune in to see Iowa again. No. Um, oh my. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine. You know, they play anywhere. Did y'all watch any of that game? I did. I, I tried. Oh my goodness! It was it was like you couldn't look away. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, you score seven points, and two, four of those points are on safeties. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it was crazy. It, it was one. It was one for the record books, but in a really bad way. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, normally, when a team has a game like that, I always got talent. Now they're not going to be an explosive team, but I tell you what, they can do. They can play defense. And they'll get after it on defense. Um, they're playing at home. I, 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 you know, I want to believe in Iowa State. I'd still, you know, they. I think Iowa's won six in a row. I'd still be hard pressed to pick Iowa State because I just think Iowa's defense is that good. I'll tell you, I, I just read some stuff today. Uh, Kurt Ferentz's kid, who is the offensive coordinator, is taking all kinds of heat. I can't. I don't doubt that. I will give uh, the Jackrabbits credit. Those guys played hard on defense now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was fun to watch. It really was. I was like, yeah, run at them again and see what happens. They're going to beat you guys up. And they did. So, 
So you better have a good passing game too sometimes, even against a, an FCS team. Yeah, Mark said to me in the press box when I showed up on Saturday as that game had gone final and we were looking at Nebraska only beating North Dakota, not North Dakota State, just North Dakota by a touchdown. Mark said, I don't know why you'd ever schedule anybody with Dakota in their name. Just keep them, especially if you're a team like that that's going through some stuff. Just keep yeah, them hey, If I'm going to play an FCS team, I'm going to play as bad a one as I can find because – even if you beat the best FCS team, you don't get the credit for it. Yeah. No, yeah, right. That's so just one. play one that is completely incapable of beating you. Yeah, there's no Dakotas and nobody from Montana will I be playing. And no teams. Jacksonville State. James Madison's on that list too. I wouldn't play them. No, oh, yeah, no. They they uh I didn't look at I didn't know what the final was, but they Middle Tennessee played them for a home game last week and it didn't turn out well. Yeah, JMU's in the JMU's FBS now, right? Yeah, well, they're they're transitioning, I think. Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. I see who got trouble at Virginia Tech. My goodness. That's yeah. I don't know why you get with Old Dominion either. Yeah, they get a they get a home game. We'll see if they uh how they how they respond this week. So yep. But um, all right, y'all. Well, I think we'll uh I think we'll go ahead and call it there. Appreciate everybody if you've uh if you've hung around if you've hung along this long. We appreciate you uh. For tuning in and listening to this episode of the Roundtable, uh, like I referenced, be sure to go look out Thursday on the site for our Fearless Forecasters Week 2. We'll give our predictions for the Auburn game and the game of the week, which is going to be Texas and Alabama, and then we'll have our, our winners for the rest of the game. So, um, And also, you know, there'll be tons of preview content before the game on Saturday. We'll have it locked, and then me and Jason will hit you all with that instant reaction. They'll be up Sunday morning from the game on Saturday night. So, Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star review if you guys enjoyed the show. That is the number one thing that helps us out on your podcasting feeds. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, um, which will be the pregame podcast actually on Saturday morning, and then me and Jason will get you with that reaction. We will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great start to the weekend and enjoy the game on Saturday. 